0: Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this lesson in our series, Who I Am, where we'll be studying the book of John and where we see that John is writing these things to everyone so they might believe and that in believing they might have life. In this awesome book where John presents the Messiah Jesus as God, we'll see lots of key truths and great application that we can apply to our own life. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. Turning your Bibles to John chapter one. John chapter one today, we're uh, continuing the series, Who I Am, and we're talking about Jesus starting his ministry. And as we look at it, it's, it's a big, big, big chunk of scripture, okay? It's John one, 19 through 51. So there's a ton of verses. So just FYI, don't freak out, but we may not get to a game today, but we've got to get through this. So we'll see, we'll see. And I can't go late today either, so we'll see how it all turns out, but we'll try and get through it fairly quickly. Is it hot in here? Yeah, that's what I thought too. I don't think there's anything I can do about it right now. But uh, Alright, so John chapter 1. We're not going to, uh, I'll read a couple verses, I'm going to read. Um, verse 19 through 28. I'm not going to read the whole thing at one time just to save a little bit of time, but we'll read each section as we go through it because basically what we're going to see today is four major sections. So let's read uh, 19 through 28, then I'll pray, and then we'll get going. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent him to... Uh, the priests and the Levites sent him... Uh, sorry, let me start that whole thing over. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem... They asked him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then are you, Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we can give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ or the Messiah or the Prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things happened or took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you. Thank you for this day that you've given to us. Thank you for all you've done for us, God, and just um, how you bless blessed us. Help us today to understand um, how we should react uh, to understanding who Jesus is and to knowing who he is and just how we should uh, really react every day when we uh, come before you and, and uh, in prayer and all that. God, we love you and we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so question that you guys can raise your hand and answer. Who do you think the most popular, most followed person in 2022, okay, so not dead people, okay, in 2022 is, who do you think it is? Anybody got any guesses? It's not me. I know, you, I see all your thoughts. It's not me, okay? I don't even do social media. I'm pretty sure that, you know, I have some accounts somewhere. They have like eight followers, maybe. I don't know Will if Smith. you're looking. Okay, Will Smith, any other guesses? Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Who's that? I know, I'm kidding. Okay, Ronaldo, (laughs) Dwayne Johnson. He's not, he's not number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that is, he is in top ten. He's top ten. So who else? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Did you see him? Huh? Did you see him? You you hit two top tens. No, I've just seen like the most followed people. He said he's hit two top tens. Jesus. Oh Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. On the current earth. Other than Jesus in any way, shape, or form. Okay, not Jesus. Okay. Putin. Putin. He's not in the top 10. He's not in the top 10. Neither is Trump. All right, so I'm going to give you the top 10 list starting with the uh, 9, well, 10. Starting with 10. Okay? All right, here it is. Number one. Does anybody know who this is? Soccer player. Right? Soccer player. He has 170 million followers on Instagram. Okay? So he's number 10. Number nine, good old Justin Bieber. How in the world? Well, he has 114 million followers on Twitter, uh, which is a pretty big deal apparently. I don't know. Number eight, Taylor Swift. He did, yeah, Gatlin said Taylor Swift. Uh, 199 million followers on Instagram. Selena Gomez is number seven with 296. This lady, Ariana Grande Venti or something, I don't know. (laughs) 240, or 294 million. Okay, then this dude, Messi, you guys, another soccer player. That's two soccer players in top 10 already. Two soccer players, okay. He has 306 million fans on Instagram. Then Kylie Jenner, I don't know what she does or anything, but 310, she's a... Her last name is Kardashian, so she has three hundred ten million fans. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, number three, Barack Obama. Okay, uh, he has it's this one. It's kind of weird because he's number three, but he only has one hundred thirty million fans on Twitter. I guess Twitter's harder to get fans on. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but he's number three on the list that I found. Now, top two. Okay, Reese got one of them. Dwayne Johnson. Oh, yeah. Okay, two hundred and ninety-six million. Fans on Instagram. So he's got almost 300 million fans on Instagram. He's known as one of the most popular people in the world right now. And the number one, which somebody did guess, Ronaldo, the soccer player, is the most popular person in the world right now, apparently. 402 million fans on Instagram. Uh, kind of crazy because he's a soccer player. But I guess Europeans... You know they really must have a big following. So we we had no NBA players, no NFL players, but three soccer players. Even Soccer's in? the best sport yeah. like around the like around the yeah. I know, yeah. I know, I know it is. But that doesn't make it the best sport. <laughs> okay. All right. So <laughs> so <coughs> the question is, what would you do if you met somebody famous? Now I'm I don't I don't like. I don't necessarily care about famous people that much. I would try and get, like, if I met Patrick Mahomes, I'd try and get his autograph probably. Uh, You know, be worth something someday. Sell it. Uh, But, you know, some people really like to meet famous people. The reason I'm asking this is because today we're going to see Jesus and we're going to see him kind of coming out, not kind of, coming out as the Messiah. So people are starting to realize that he's the Messiah here because he's in, to few people, he's announcing it. John the Baptist is now announcing that he is the Messiah and we're going to see how they react to meeting ultimately the most famous person ever of all time. If you look that up, it is Jesus. The most talked about, most written about, most everything uh, is Jesus Christ and so uh, meeting that most famous person, how did John the Baptist react? How did the disciples react? Okay, because we're going to see five disciples this morning meet Jesus possibly for the first time. If not, then meet him for the first time understanding that he's the Messiah. Okay, so it, it may be the first time a couple of these guys have ever met Jesus. Um, I definitely would say it's the first time they've. some of them have, like, actually met him. Because you know how you say, oh, yeah, that's Jesus, that's John's brother, cousin, or whatever. But it's a difference when he comes up and it's like face-to-face, hey, I'm Peter, I'm Jesus. You know, that's a, that kind of meeting. Um, and so we're going to see how they react. There's going to be four days that we're going to look at. Day one, day two, day three, day four. Yes. It's on your notes, okay? And uh, after that, next week, we're going to look at day five or six. We'll talk about it a little bit. We're not sure uh, which day it is. We'll talk about it next week, though. But today, we're going to look at the first four days. It's a huge chunk of Scripture, uh, so we're going to try and go fast through it. And I apologize for that, but we'll, we just got to go fast through it. So day one is what we're going to start looking at. This is verses 19 through 28. It's what we just read. I'm going to reread it <clears throat> so uh, we have it in our minds fresh. As we start, okay, so this is verse 19. This is the testimony of John, this is John the Baptist, when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he, John the Baptist, confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then are you, Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. They said to him, Who are you? So we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they have been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize in water. But among you stands one whom you do not know, It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Okay, so um, as we get going, as we start talking about this, some things to kind of think about. This day one happens after John the Baptist has already baptized Jesus. Okay, we see that later on in the passage because we see that John says, I didn't know him, but then I did know him because the spirit in the form of dove came upon him and God said that's that's the Messiah. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a second, but we know this is day one, and in day two he says, Behold the Lamb of God, and he says all this stuff about him. So we know this is after John has already baptized him. Okay, before that, um, you know, John didn't know, and we'll talk about that in a second, who he was. But after John baptizes Jesus at some point, okay, the Pharisees send some guys to talk to John to say, hey, who are you? And the one thing I want you to remember about this exchange or think about is, where does John the Baptist's response always point to? And okay, it's you know kind of an easy answer, right? It's a Sunday school answer, Jesus, right? But it's true. Okay, All, everything that he says points back to Christ. We're going to look at. We're even going to look at Greek because you know Jillian really likes talking about languages, and so we're gonna even looking a little Greek. And the Greek actually shows that he's pointing back to Christ with everything that he says. Okay, and so uh, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to start with the the phrase. And he confessed and did not deny, because these guys come to him and say, Are basically there's who are you? He confessed and did not de- deny, but confessed, so pretty emphatic there, just in the English or Greek there, that he's confessing this, not denying, he's confessing it. Okay? This is what he's saying. And this phrase, I am not the Christ. Now, you guys remember from week one, Ego E me? Okay, we're gonna be talking about this all the way through John, because it's a the theme. Okay, this is the Greek. So that ego waffle right there, the E, this one right here. This is ego, this is e me. Okay? Those are what you're gonna we're gonna be looking at in John a lot. Okay, so just get used to seeing those. The rest of this, this is just not, this is the and this is Christos. What do you think Christos is? Christ, Christ right? So this is I, not, I am not the Christ. Okay? So you could say, I am not the Christ, right? But remember what I said about the ego. What does the ego mean? Does anybody remember? Makes it like. It puts an emphasis. Yes, it's emphatic, and it puts the emphasis on what? It puts the emphasis on I, actually. So there's a way to put the emphasis on not. Okay, and it's, and it's called, and we're going to look at that later on because he does that too. Uh, it's called meu. You do meu, and it's like a double negative, uh, which doesn't mean positive in Greek. It means d- negative, negative, like super negative. But this puts the emphasis on I. Okay, which is interesting because we're saying John the Baptist, he's putting all the emphasis on Christ. So Why does he not put emphasis on Christ? Well, it's because he's saying, I am not the Christ. And I think he's saying, I am not the Christ, but he is here. He's not just saying, no, not Christ. Don't think about Messiah. Don't think about Christ. Don't think, He's saying, I am not. But he says, just, just a second. But there is one who I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. And he's standing among you and you don't even know him. Okay? So he's saying, I am not the Christ. Okay? And we'll see later on, he says, but there is a Christ and he's here. And you need to listen to him. Okay? So they say, are you the Christ? He says, I am not. Then they ask him, what then are you Elijah? Okay? What then are you Elijah? Now, his response gets shorter. Okay, See how long that is? That's ego uke me, o Christ. I don't know how to say it, but that. Okay? Then it just goes this. That's in Greek. That's what he says next. Okay? That's Uki me. So what does that e say? I am, and the Luke is not. So he says, I am not. So I am not. So he goes, I am not the Christ. And then they say Elijah's like, no, I'm not. I'm not Elijah. So it's getting shorter. I think he's doing this on purpose because his emphasis is all Christ. Like, that's his whole point. So he's talking about Christ, and they're like, are you Elijah? He's like, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not Elijah. Okay, but what is Elijah? Why are they asking him Elijah? Okay, why are they asking him Elijah? Okay, this is Malachi. This is the very end of the Bible, or Old Testament Bible, right? The very end, Malachi. How many of you guys know the books of the Bible? Okay, Malachi's the last one, right? Okay, so this is in Malachi chapter 4, which is the last chapter of Malachi in verses 5 and 6. Um, and so, here's what it says. It says, remember the instruction of my servant Moses, which I commanded him at Horeb, to all Israel, the rules and regulations. Look, I am going to send you... Anybody following along? Who's that? Elijah. I'm going to send you Elijah. The prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of, of the Lord of Yahweh. And he will bring back the hearts of the father to their sons and the hearts of the sons to their fathers, so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse or a ban. Okay, last word in the Bible is curse, right? And so this is God promising that he's gonna send Elijah. So these guys are coming and saying, Hey, are you Elijah? And he says, I am not. Interesting thing though. Let's look at we're gonna be looking at a lot of scripture here, okay? So you can turn your Bibles. I have them all up on the screen, though. In Matthew, this is Matthew chapter 11, if you want to write it down. Matthew 11, 13, and 14. This is Jesus speaking. Okay, And he says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. That's John the Baptist. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah. So Jesus says that John is Elijah, what? If what? If you're willing to accept. Okay, the one who's going to come. Okay, but was the nation of Israel, <laughs> did they accept Christ? No, no, they did not. Okay, they crucified him in disbelief. Okay, so they did not accept him. So John is not Elijah. Now there's somebody who's going to come in the power and authority of Elijah. It could be Elijah himself. Okay, but there's someone who's coming in the power and authority of Elijah. Uh, one day, I think now it's going to be at the, uh, at the second coming. Okay, after the tribulation and everything. And uh, whenever they call on the name of the Lord is Israel. Okay, somebody's going to be Elijah in that time. Okay, and that prophecy was talking about this Elijah. But Jesus is saying, if you would have been accepting me here, this would have been Elijah. He would have been Elijah, but you're not. So he's not Elijah. Okay, so that's why it's, it's kind of confusing, but that's what he says. He says he's not Elijah. And uh, Jesus actually backs it up here, even though he's saying... It kind of sounds like he's saying he's Elijah there, but he's not. He's saying, if you're willing to accept, and they weren't. And so John the Baptist is not this prophet Elijah, this guy who's coming in the power authority of Elijah. Um, and so he says, I'm not. Okay, then they give him a third question. Okay, third question. It's also in verse 21. Okay, are you the prophet? Are you the prophet? And his answer? No, no even shorter. Just no. Okay, that's the Greek for it. Even sure, it's just one word. No, he's like fed up with them at this point. He's like, no, I'm not the Christ, but I want to talk about the Christ. Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet? No. no. Stop asking me, okay? I already told you, okay? Who I am. All right. So he says no. So who's the prophet that they're talking about? Here's what we think. Here's what I think. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. So this is uh, it says, Yahweh, or the Lord your God, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst. Uh, from your countrymen, and to him you shall listen. I think this is who the, uh, the Pharisees who are sending these guys are actually thinking of. Uh, the weird thing is, this prophet's the Messiah. Okay? Um, if you if you look at it, you study it, I think this prophet's the Messiah that Moses is talking about here. And so um, there's two options here. One is that these guys, these Pharisees, didn't understand that this was the Messiah at that time. They just, they just didn't understand it. Um, or they wanted to test John the Baptist to see if he understood that and to see if he was, like, legit and knew his scripture and stuff like that. That like, could have been a possibility, I guess. But they say, hey, are you this prophet? And he says, no, I'm not. Uh, well, he doesn't even say I'm not. He just says no. He says no. Okay? Uh, and then uh, if you keep going, then they said, who are you? Give, give us an answer. We got They're saying, hey, somebody sent us to you to ask you this. You have to give us something. Like, who are you? Because why, why do they need to know so bad that who John the Baptist is. Why do they care? He's out here baptizing people. Because he's out there baptizing people, and he's out there baptizing a lot of people. And there's a lot of people following him, right? So there's there's this they gotta figure it out. If he's baptized two people and has one person following him, are they gonna really care? No. No. But he he's actually got a crowd following him, right? To some degree. And so they're they're like, hey, we want to figure out who this guy is, and this is important to us. And so then he quotes, when they say this, he quotes. Isaiah 43 okay so they said who are you give us an answer in verse 22 and John says in verse 23 okay and this comes from Isaiah I am the voice crying of one crying in the wilderness make straight the way of the Lord as Isaiah the prophet said so then uh, they go on they say well these guys are from the Pharisees so why are you baptizing if you're not Christ and you're not Elijah you're not a Messiah why are you baptizing and then notice John's response here because it points it back to Christ Okay, and it makes a distinction. You, you guys remember verse it says John says, um, basically he must I must decrease, but he must increase. And he's talking about Jesus. So John says eventually later on, he says, I must decrease, he must increase. Okay. I see that through this whole thing of John when he's like in the, of the book of John. Okay, when he's everything he's saying, okay, he's he's answering these guys. And they're like wanting to focus on him. Who are you? What are you doing? What is your... Everything he says says, I'm just a way for Christ. Think about Christ. I'm not the Christ. He's here. Uh, I baptize. This is verse 26. I baptize with water. But among you stands one who you don't know. See how he turns that right back to talking about the Messiah. There's somebody standing here. You don't know. He comes after me. The thong who's sandal. I'm not worthy to even tie or untie. Okay. So he keeps pointing on day one back to Christ. He's already baptized them, so he realizes who he is. He keeps uh, pointing him back to Christ. And so that's what happens day one. This is this exchange between John the Baptist and these people. Okay? Day two, John testifies. Okay, This is verses 29 through 34. We know that it's day two because he says the next day. Right, Verse 29, let's look at it. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, uh, We're going to keep going in just a second, but uh, remember that he says that on day two. Okay, Remember that he says it on day two because uh, he'll say it again later on, and I kind of think he almost says it all the time every time he sees Jesus after, after a certain point, so we'll look at it. Uh, so behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, uh, that is he on behalf of whom I said after me, comes a man who is before me for he existed before me i did not recognize him but so that he might be manifested or shown to israel i came baptizing in water that's also important to remember that phrase that uh, i came baptizing that he might be manifested uh, uh to israel john testified saying this is verse 32 i've seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and he remained upon Jesus, him, Jesus. I did not recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water. Who's he who sent John to baptize in water? Who sent John? God, right? We learned that earlier on, okay? Uh, in this passage, he said, there came a man sent from God, and it's John. Okay, so the guy who, the man who sent me, no, it's not man, God. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, so God tells John, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. John says, I myself have seen and I have testified that this is the Son of God. Okay? Okay, the baptism has already happened because he said he's already seen it. Okay, it's already happened in this. All right, so he identifies the Messiah as the Messiah is walking. Okay, he sees him. He says, "Behold, the Lamb of God." Okay, now here's something to remember and think about: Jesus and John were related, right? Mm-hmm. How are they? How are they related? Cousins. cousins, right? Okay, so they're cousins. So chances of them knowing each other, or at least knowing who each other were, pretty high, right? Maybe their whole life. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, they probably both knew that each other were both born miraculously. They're both uh, miraculous conceptions. Uh, John, because of the elderly age of his parents. Jesus, because it was a virgin birth. Okay, so they probably knew some of that stuff about him. Um, I'm guessing they knew how each other lived growing up, meaning they, they knew one another, right? Okay, they may not have been best friends. We have no idea. But chances are they knew each other fairly decent. But John did not always know that Jesus was a Messiah. Okay? Which is really interesting to me. Look at verse 31. It says, I did not recognize him. Okay? I did not recognize him. And then look at the verse 33. I did not recognize him. He says it twice. I did not recognize him. Okay? But then it says when he recognized him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, Upon <coughs> whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that's the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John says, uh, God told me the Spirit's going to come down. And that's what happened at the baptism, right? And we'll look at that. We'll actually look at it right now. Look, Matthew, this is Matthew chapter uh, 3. Okay, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan John, uh, to John in order to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it now, for this way is right for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. Now, after... He was baptized, Jesus immediately went up from the water, and behold, the heavens opened, and he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove coming upon him, and behold, there's a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So I believe that this is when John recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. However, there's this little phrase in here, right? Said John says, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. So why would John say that if he didn't know Jesus was the Messiah? That's the question, okay? There's several things. Uh, there's several things, okay, that it could be. Um, really, John, not John, was it Bob, Bob Wilkin, okay? Bob Wilkin says that the Spirit descended on Jesus twice. Uh, that could be a possibility. He descended on him earlier, then descended on him here. That way, John would know who he was beforehand. Uh, that's a possibility for sure, but it, let's look at this logically and think about it, okay? Uh why did John come to baptize? Several reasons, right? We just saw that he said to make manifest or make shown the way of the Messiah. He said, "I baptize with water, but Jesus baptizes with uh, the Holy Spirit, and and later on in fire." This is uh, Acts nineteen four. Paul says that John came to baptize a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who is to come after him. That is Jesus. So John's or Paul says John came to baptize. A baptism of repentance. He says, Israel, you need to change your mind. The Messiah is coming and the Messiah is here. Okay, that way paver uh, type action there. So that's Acts 19.4. Jews were being baptized by uh, John to identify with the fact the Messiah is actually coming. Okay, because not every Jew, not just because you're Jewish, doesn't mean you believe that. Um, and if you look at, uh, if you think about it, you look at Jesus' life. Okay, did he ever sin? No. Okay, so was he a a holy man? Yeah. Yeah? Um, So when he comes to John, and John, if he knows him at all, which I'm assuming he knows him a little bit, if he comes to him and says, hey, I want to be baptized by you, John's like, dude, you're a better guy than I am. You're a better Israelite than I am. You have more faith than I do. I know you. Like, you should should be the one baptizing me. um, And so that's kind of what I think it is. I kind of think he's just saying dude, you're way better than I am. Because was he? Yeah, Yeah, he was. I mean, he was was the most holy Israelite there ever was, right? Um, And so that's kind of what I think. It could have been that the Spirit of God came on him twice. It could have been that as well. But I kind of think that's what it is. He also, uh, John Ashwell recognized that the Messiah's baptism would be different than his baptism or different than a water baptism before he baptized Jesus. So this is Matthew uh, 3.11. It says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who comes after me more powerful than I am, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. So if John really thought he was the Messiah, I don't know, he may have, he may have said, hey, you need to baptize me with water and fire. You know I mean? Sorry, with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, you need to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Um, it was just a different kind of baptism. And so I think when John is saying, hey, you should be baptizing me, I think, he's saying, I think it's a statement of how perfect and holy Christ was on earth. Um, Again, that's kind of a, that's a little bit of an opinion there. Uh, But if we study it, I think that fits pretty good. Um, So the dove descends, he baptizes him. um, And now, he says, hey, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I didn't recognize him, but then I knew him because of this. And now, in verse 34, I myself have seen John talking and testify that this is the Son of God. So, regardless of how it happened, he didn't know him, or didn't recognize him, okay, he didn't recognize him, but then he did recognize him at baptism, and now he's proclaiming him, which is the important note. He's proclaiming him to everyone, okay. Day three, okay, day two, day one, he exchanges, has this exchange with these people. Day two, he sees Jesus, he says, behold the Lamb of God. Day three, okay, John the Baptist releases some of his disciples. Okay, we're going to see three disciples on day three. This is verse 35 through 42. Um, Again, the next day was standing, uh, John was standing with two of his disciples. So yesterday, John was standing there and sees Jesus. He says, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Now he's standing with two of his disciples. We'll see Andrew and I think John. And he looked at Jesus as he was walking. So Jesus comes by again and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. He says it again, behold, the Lamb of God. I kind of think every time John saw Jesus, he was just like, behold, the Lamb of God, right? Because he's kind of this strange character anyway, right? He lives in the wilderness. He wears animal skins. He eats locusts and honey. Like he's kind of a, I mean, he's kind of a weird guy, right? I mean, in some ways, I mean, not really defined weird, right? But he's different than the culture. He's different than the people, okay? And he's outspoken. We know that, right? Because calls the Pharisees a brood of vipers, right? So he's very outspoken about things. So I don't think it's far-fetched at all to say, once John the Baptist actually realized that Jesus was the Messiah, maybe every time he's just like, "Ah, behold the Lamb of God, guys, the Lamb of God," right? Because he's he's the guy that uh, he's the guy that's supposed to be proclaiming it to all of Israel, right? So he's that's part. Maybe that's what do you think? Ah, this is part of my job, right? Behold the Lamb of God, there he is, guys. Uh, just every time, but when he does it this time, it's interesting because the two disciples. This is verse thirty-seven. It says the two disciples heard him speak, so they hear him testify this and they what followed. they followed jesus so they left john to follow jesus and this is perfect this is exactly how it's supposed to happen this takes a lot of humility for john right he must increase i must decrease and jesus turned in verse 38 and saw them falling so jesus turned around and He see these two dudes following him okay and he's like what do you see what are you, what are you looking for and they said to him rabbi which means teacher where are you staying what are you saying? So it's just kind of weird. Uh, so it could be two things, you know, or it could be a lot of things. But he says, hey, what do you see? And they could be like, I, where are you staying? Like, just that they don't know what it's to say. Or they could be saying, hey, I think I might be wanting to follow this guy because John's testifying that this is the guy that we've been looking forward to. Because these are disciples of John. So they believe in the Messiah and they believe he's coming and they believe John is the paving the way for him. So they could be saying, we want to come back and find this guy. Be able to know where he's at. So where are you staying so we can continue to come back and find you? Because disciples in that time did not always like, it wasn't always a 24-7 job. Okay? So take Andrew, for example. We're going to see him in just a second. He's one of these two. As he was a disciple of John the Baptist, he still worked as as a fisherman with his brother Peter. Okay? And that's how it worked a lot of times as a disciple of somebody. As a disciple of a teacher or a rabbi. You didn't always just it wasn't always full-time, which is important because in the Gospels, there are actually three callings of the disciples. Okay, there are three callings. I think I have them listed here. Yeah. So John 1, it's less of a calling, this one. Okay, this is more of an intro. I don't even look at it as a calling because Jesus doesn't necessarily call them to follow him, but they are introduced to him as the Messiah through John the Baptist and through, as we'll see, other disciples. And they begin to kind of follow him. Okay. I don't, I do not think, I think Scripture backs up that they are not giving up their jobs at this point, at least like Peter and Andrew, James and John, those kind of guys. I think they're still fishing for a living, but they're still kind of getting to know uh, Jesus. Okay, then Mark chapter 4, or sorry, Mark 1 and Matthew 4, Jesus actually calls them to follow him. Okay, and that is a calling, I believe. I believe at that point they're actually disciples of the rabbi, disciples of the teacher. That's after he's done miracles, after the wedding of Cana. That's after all those things have happened because it says many, he's done these things or whatever. Okay, and so he's done this stuff, and then he calls them to follow. And it says Jesus is walking by the shore. He sees them cleaning their nets, and he calls them, and they start following him. Okay, that's what it says. Okay, then Luke chapter 5 is a different calling, and it's Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Okay, and this time, Jesus is teaching. And I think they're already with him. But they're like kind of following him part-time. Right? Not part-time, but like they're still doing their other thing. Okay, so in Luke chapter 5, he's teaching. They end up going out, and that's the famous story of throw your nets on the other side. They bring up all the fish, and it's like, you know, that story. Okay, so he does a miracle, and then he says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And it says, they left everything <coughs> to follow him. Okay, and I think the distinction is, Matthew and Mark, they uh, that account is them saying, "Hey, we're going to start following you." Luke five is like, "We're leaving everything. We're not doing anything but following you." Okay, and so I think that's the that's kind of the line up there. It's important though because in John, where we're at, they're just now getting to kind of meet him as the Messiah. Does that make sense? Like we're barely even. This is like the first time John and Andrew are really even getting to. See him as the Messiah. Like John the Baptist is like, hey, you too, John and Andrew, there he is. Behold the Lamb of God. So he's introducing him as the Messiah. So then, in verse, so they say, he says, what are you seeking? They say, where are you staying? Uh, Verse 39, Jesus says to Andrew and John, come and you will see. So they came with him, saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day for about the tenth hour. One of those who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Okay, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Okay, so they follow him to the place that he's staying, right? And they're at the place, but before they actually stay with him, or possibly even before they got there, but before they uh, actually settle down for the night or whatever, Andrew's like, dude, I'm going to go find Peter because we've actually found the Messiah at this point. Okay, so Andrew is a follower of John the Baptist, right? guys following so far? I know this is a lot of like following, but Andrew is a follower of John the Baptist. Peter is not. Okay? But when Andrew comes and tells Peter that they found the Messiah, the real Messiah, well, John the Baptist was never claiming to be Messiah, but we found a Messiah. Peter follows immediately and then there's this exchange between Jesus, really just between Jesus and talking to Peter. But in verse 42, he says, he brought him to to Jesus and Jesus looked at Peter. Okay? And so this is the first time that Jesus talks to Peter as the Messiah or whatever, so it's a pretty, pretty big deal. Peter ends up being a pretty big time apostle, right? Um, so, how would you like him to say this to you? You know, when you first get it, he, he says, "You are Simeon, the son of John, or sorry, Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas," which is translated Peter. So, Peter immediately gets a name change. Okay, even though he's not, he's not at Luke five yet. We're not there where he's left everything and following Jesus, but he immediately gets a name change, which is kind of cool. Because uh, he's going to be a pretty big, important apostle, right? He's going to do a lot of cool things. Okay, so that's day three. Day three, he now has how many disciples? Jesus has how many disciples that are kind of introduced and following him-ish? How many? Three. 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 Okay. Andrew? <laughs> three. Andrew, Peter, and we think John, right? Pretty, pretty confident it's John. Okay. Peter, Andrew, John. Day four. I'm talking really fast. I think we're going to get through it on time, guys. Day four. Okay, this is 43 through 51. Okay, this is the next day. That's what it says in verse 43, the next day. He purposed to go into Galilee. Okay, Jesus purposed to go into Galilee. So Jesus purposefully goes into Galilee. And he finds Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Okay, now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Okay, so this guy named Philip, he's from the same city as Andrew and Peter, so he may or may not know him. We don't know uh, for sure if he knew him, but he could have. And Jesus comes and says, follow me. Now, I do not think that this is a Luke or even a Matthew follow me because we're going to see a sequence of days that lead up to next week, which is the wedding in Cana. And at the wedding, what did you just do? Water and the wine. Water and the wine. That was very fast. That was, that was very good. I like that. Water and the wine. And at the end of that, it said his disciples believed. Okay? There are five disciples that I can find that are there with him at the wedding. Okay? We'll talk about it. But they believed. And I think that some of these things are done on purpose. I think he calls Philip on purpose to follow him because he wants them to see this wedding, this wedding, this Cana Galilee wedding. Okay? So he says, follow me to Philip. Philip was from the same city as Andrew and Peter. Okay, Philip, he went and found this guy named Nathanael. Okay, and he said to him, this is verse 45, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So he's like, surely not. Nazareth, come on. Okay, Philip says to him, come and see. Come find out. Come find out for yourself. Okay, and Nathaniel's about to find out. Because okay, he has an exchange with Jesus more so than any other disciple uh, so far that we've seen. Okay, so let's look at it. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. Okay, Jesus saw Nathanael coming, and he said to him, Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, none of us will get to meet Jesus on this earth until you know, a thousand year reign. We're going to meet him in the clouds for the rapture. But how would you like the first thing that he says to you to be like, Hey, behold a... Not Israelite. But a man or a woman, indeed, who in whom there is no deceit. Like, that's pretty good. Like, if Jesus is saying, I mean, I don't think he'd probably say that to me, right? Like, he's like, Behold, Carter, in whom there is no deceit. It's like, dang. That's pretty good, right? So, it's Nathaniel guy, um, and I believe all the rest of these guys, and you can keep, we're not going to look at all of it right now, but all these guys are what you would call spiritual Okay? Think about it. Andrew and John, they're already following John the Baptist, right? So they're already believing in a coming Messiah. I believe Peter already believes in some sort of coming Messiah, right? At this point they may not believe it's Jesus yet. They may, may or may not. I think some of them do, some of them don't. Okay, Philip, uh, Jesus intentionally goes and finds him, and he follows, which means he's he's already on the lookout for the Messiah somehow, right? And then Nathaniel is this guy in whom there's no deceit found. Okay, so Nathaniel says, he's kind of creeped out here because he's like, how do you know who I am, Jesus? How do you know who I am? And Jesus answered him and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, this would be creepy if there were a lot of people around the fig tree, right? Because then there'd be this guy that's like watching him during his sitting under the fig tree time. We don't know what he's doing, but whatever he's doing, you know, doodling or whatever, you know, there's this guy watching him. So, but the, yeah, maybe nap time. But the response, <coughs> but the response of Nathaniel is not, why are you spying on me? The, the response of Nathaniel is, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. The reason this is his response, I think there's really only one reason, is because no one was around. He was obviously under the fig tree in a secluded location where nobody knew where he was, and probably nobody knew that he had gone there. Okay, that's, that's my deduction of this because he says rabbi you are the son of god and you are the king of israel he knows that he's he's god based on that one thing and he knows god is everywhere at one time right so they look at Jesus answer here jesus answered and said to him because i said to you that i saw you under a fig tree you believe you'll see greater things than these he said to him truly truly i say to you you will see the heavens open and the angels of god ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We don't know when this happens, but at some point, Nathaniel got to see the angel of God descending and ascending on Jesus. Okay, It's not recorded for us, uh, but it happened at some point, which is really cool. Uh, and it also reminds me, as John says later on, that many other things Jesus did that was not written in this. Okay, But these things are written that you might believe. And so, day four, we find Philip and Nathanael. So now there's how many followers, five of them, right? There's five of them following him at this point. Okay, they meet Jesus and every single one of them is interested as soon as they meet, right? A couple of them immediately declare him as Messiah, okay? Nathaniel being one, um, Andrew being one, Andrew immediately declares to Peter that he's the Messiah and Philip even says he's the one of Moses and uh, the law wrote about. And so there's at least three that are proclaiming him as Messiah already. John the Baptist, when he figures out who Jesus is, he proclaims and proclaims and proclaims and keeps proclaiming who he is. He says, here's the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God. There's one here that's with you that you don't even know, and he's greater than all of us. He keeps proclaiming who Jesus is. Okay, John the Baptist's response is to proclaim Christ. Okay, The five, they responded by at least checking it out and seeing who he is. Three of them proclaimed him. So what should we do, okay? What should we do when we see things about Jesus? That's my question today for us. Application. This is a lot of narrative, I know, but we can take example from these guys, okay? No, most of us in here know Jesus as our Savior already. We believe in Jesus for eternal life, and we have it, okay? But what do we do with that? Like, what do we do in our daily lives when we, maybe we see something new in the Scripture, or maybe not new, maybe we're just reminded of something cool about who Jesus is, in the scripture or maybe we look at the scripture and we see something about him what do we do with it do we internalize it do we think about it for five seconds and let it go do we renew our minds with it do we proclaim it to other people all of us in here know that jesus is messiah most of us believe that i'll probably all of us right i don't know all of you guys but most of you i know and you say that jesus is the messiah right and he's the he's the one that we have to believe in for eternal life do we ever proclaim that to people Does that just come out and are like, you know, John the Baptist? He's the weirdo, right? But I feel like it just came out of his mouth. Like he was so, like that was just such a a mindset for him. That, like, he sees Jesus walking. He's like, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know what I mean? And, like, do we, is that, like, if people look at us, do they say, that dude's always talking about Jesus. I mean, they they don't say that about me. I can guarantee it. I wish they did. I wish I was better at it. And we can get better at it, right? We can get to where our, our lingo and the things that we say tend to always go back to God and tend to always lead back to Christ. You know what I mean? Somebody says, it's a beautiful day out. What do you say? Usually, yeah, it is. Do we say, man, God is good for giving me this beautiful day? You know what I mean? Like, that, that's a, such a small little thing. But when we're renewing our mind constantly who Jesus is, who God is, what he's doing for us, those are the kind of responses that are going to start coming out of our mouths. And I think that that's what we can gain from this lesson. That can be our in, impact. What's your response to meeting Jesus? Okay, originally, hopefully your first response to knowing that Jesus is the Messiah is that you believe in him for eternal life. Okay. But assuming that most of us have, have done that, what is our daily response to knowing who Jesus is? Okay. We have the greatest uh, knowledge of all time right? We know who Jesus is. We have the scriptures to tell us who he is. What do we do with that? Do we, are we filling ourselves up with it so much that it's like overflowing? Like, man, every time Galen talks, just Jesus comes out of his mouth, okay? And when you do that, you might be weird, right? You might be like John the Baptist weird in some groups. You won't be here, so you don't have to worry about it here. But in some groups, you might be weird. So, Let's think about that. Let's think about how we can do that more, how we can be more like John the Baptist and just like every time, every time, every conversation, like, man, Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is Messiah. Maybe not in those words, but just how can you integrate it into your thoughts first and then into your verbal speech? Make sense to everybody? Does everybody agree that's something that we can work on? Sweet. One person agrees. That's good. All right. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson.